Leavestock live with J.D. Bunkus, Sam McKee. I got to tell you, that shifted pretty quick. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. <laughs> that we're, good reaction by we're, you. We're, sorry, oh, the I, show has begun, I, Sam. I accidentally muted you there for a second. Oh. I was trying to fix something quickly, and <laughs> it's surprising that it happened so fast. Yeah, uh, I had sent some, when we first started about talking about doing this show, we had an idea for a segment for the worst text of the night. Uh, there's some text firing around that maybe I don't care to revisit, but yeah, it was a quick turnaround. Uh, nice for them to bounce back there, come back in the third period and beat a really good Rangers team. Still some questions for me coming out of that game, but a really exciting win and an absolutely gorgeous overtime winner by Marner on Sabinajad, who looked like the controller died. And then, uh, yeah. Mitch, Mar Mitch Marner goes full Bobby Orr and flies across the net. It's a great goal, but yeah. Uh, what were your thoughts? Uh, I can't I can't repeat the text that my brother sent me uh, how he <laughs> felt about that goal. But yeah, it was pretty gorgeous. That's one of you know Mitch has had a lot of nice ones this year. It was nice to see him tuck one early in the overtime, get this thing done, have us scrambling to get the show together. Yeah, beautiful stick handling, beautiful finish. Not much else to say about that. Um, I think I'm going to start this show with uh, like I'm going to stay with a positive note because I actually do think that a lot of the game was negative. That the the Leafs just kind of looked again disengaged tonight for a lot of it. I was really impressed by the fourth line. But usually when the fourth line sticks out the way that they did, and they deserve credit, like, you know, Joey Anderson drew two penalties and Pontus scores on an assist from him, like, great stuff. But usually when a fourth line pops to the degree that they did tonight, it's because the rest of the guys are not really doing it for me. Anyway, I thought that, like, basically with a couple minutes left in the second period, they started to turn it around, and then they looked a little bit better in the third but the, the major positive I'm going to start with is like something you and I have been talking about a lot at, in private. Look at, look at that goal by Pontus. He's looking like a young Sidney yeah. Crosby firing that backhand across his body, top corner. That's a gorgeous yeah, goal by our boy Pontus. That is, that is a pretty goal. I you yeah. know what? I, I am now I'm I'm backing off the positive that we were talking about privately because we've done a lot of public Pontus talk. It is. I Ooh. do wonder what he's going to get this year, like this off season because he's a restricted <laughs> oh, free agent. Sheet. No. Oh, sheet. Kip, you guys on real Kipper and Bourne just trying so hard to, uh, to get him off or sheeted or to, to, like, you guys are trying to put him in the all-star game. You try to have your John Scott moment. You try to get him off or sheeted. Yeah. You tried to bump him up to the second line. Like you've done a lot for Pontus Holmberg, his Definitely. agent probably going to use your guys show when he shows Absolutely. up in a Dubas's office. But like, the last restricted free agent contracts that Dubas dealt out like to Sandine and Lilligren are incredibly friendly now. Like you look oh, at the yeah. value that they're getting on that. I would assume that Pontus is going to come in even less than that, but yeah, he has played really well. He, he deserves to like, he'll get over a mil. He probably yeah. gets one five cap goes up a little bit, maybe right around that pocket, but I would say probably only on a short point, deal. Two for 1.2 per would, would be yeah, my okay. best guess. What did, what did Angval get that two year contract that he signed before he signed the one-year deal it was around one for two. It was like 1.25 yeah. or whatever. That's what he'll get. We don't need to get bought That's down. That's what he'll get. But it's a it great probably game. goes up just a little bit with the cap yeah. based on the percentages. But he'll want to have it as a short deal because he's an older guy. And mm -hmm. he's going to want to hit free agency at least once where he can, uh, yeah, try to capitalize a little bit if yeah. he's the real deal. So the positive that I wanted to start with today is Lilligren. Um, where is he for you amongst the Leafs' most important defensemen today? Without TJ Brody in the lineup? Yeah, clearly. Because I would say 
right it's, now. It's so funny because they're playing uh, pretty well without TJ Brody right now. But yeah, he, clearly TJ is number one. Like I, I don't uh, think that that's a debate. Like I think well, TJ Brody is their most important guy. And if you look at like the, he's been with basically he's played with three different guys this season, TJ Brody for like over a hundred minutes each. And each of those pairings is like among the Leafs best from yes. just about every metric that you can use. So yeah, TJ Brody is number one with a bullet. Like, let's not forget that. Let's not get crazy. But where does he rank in after that? In the non-TJ Brody division, I say number one. So he's two. Yes. <laughs> okay. Right now. Well, TJ yeah. Brody out of the lineup. He's the number one guy I want to see on the ice in big situations. And I, it's, um, it's crazy for me to say that. Figure, like, talking about the way I talked about him last year and to start this season, the, the, to me, he is their most important guy to play in the biggest situations in a game. They had him out there for that final shift when it was like a minute left and they put him and Giordano over the boards to kind of salt away the game to get it to overtime. Tells you a mm-hmm. lot of what, and then Alex Kerfoot, with the weirdest play against the grain, nobody on him shoots it back behind his own net. We don't, you know, I won't get bogged down in that, but Lilligren out there at that moment shows you what Keith's thinking about him right now. To me, he is their most important guy other than TJ Brody. If you play them together, maybe they'll just like, you know, teleport up and down the ice. Maybe some science experiment will happen if you play those two together. But it's just been incredible. Um, I'm shocked again. Like I, I remain just shocked based on the the player that he's become based mm-hmm. on like and and yeah, let this be a lesson when it comes to guys with pedigree, because his his roller coaster ride from Guy that had mono going into the draft and what exactly is he and slipping and falling to the, this is a Mark Hunter guy, right? Mark Hunter gets credit for him. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure this is a Mark Hunter gets the Marner credit and the Lilligren credit. Oh, you picked the kid that played for his junior team. Let's crown him. Yeah. Okay. I know you hate Mark Hunter. I'm just saying that. I hate Mark Hunter, bud. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, so, okay, I'm not getting stuck on this. Uh, the the point is, is like he had that roller coaster ride of, hey, did he? He was supposed to be projected as a top guy in the draft. Then he gets mononucleosis, and he has pretty much a terrible year in his draft year. But everybody kind of quietly whispering, like, yeah, this was not just a mono. He might be a dum dum. And then <laughs> he went basically his first couple of years within the Leaf system. And I told you, a lot of the dum dum talk came out. Like there was a lot of, we don't know if this guy's ever going to have the sense or the work ethic or like whether the compete is there. It just, mm-hmm. it doesn't seem to be clicking the, the dire straight necessity to win from this guy. And then he came up, he got his little tryout with the Maple Leafs a couple of seasons ago. It went horrifically. I can still remember him just getting like barbecued over and over again. And it was just a completely untenable situation. Um, I wrote him off like a bozo. Um, I think I agree with you. Because I would say that Giordano brings something to the Leafs that might be more important. Like, you, you just see it again tonight where he, I, know, I know he crashed into Samsonov's net. And I know that I probably overvalue this with this team. But it's just like the competitiveness that Gio brings every single night and the attitude and the character and the shot blocking and just like the stability, the ability to filter a puck on net, um, ability to make a breakout pass, responsible decision maker. I, I still think I would lean Giordano ahead of Lilligren, but it's even when I say it, I think about things with Lilligren where it's like, man, him going North is beautiful. His shot is terrific. You saw it tonight on the goal. Um, he, he plays with more physicality than I, I don't know if he's now getting more credit for that or what, or what people are saying, but he's just like a noticeably physical player. And I trust him to go along the boards and kill a cycle. Mm-hmm. But the thing I'm just most impressed with him every single game where I go, 
wow, is his transition defense, like his gap control and his ability to play defensively off the rush. Like, it's killer every night. He doesn't make a lot of bad decisions, although he did make one in the third, like right after he scored the goal, he had a, uh, like a pretty bad turnover. But night in, night out, I just come away with like, again, you know, I take the notes on the phone and that's what I'm always looking at when I'm looking down. Night in, night out, I'm looking at like four Lilligren notes every single night, every single game. It's just always there to the point of me wanting to not be repetitive about it. So yeah, I'm with you. He's like 2A, 2B, whatever the hell it is. And yeah, he's just, he's like... He's to me. He's quickly becoming one of the leaf stories of the season. Absolutely, uh, no, nothing to add to that. He's just been spectacular, and I loved his goal tonight. That's you know we talk about the high end, um, the high end offensive upside. You know the pedigree. Mm-hmm. That was a that was a offensive play. That wasn't like a like a butcher D man slapping it towards the net and it bouncing off somebody's ass and in. He cut in. He got good position, shortened up, and saw where he needed to put it and tucked it upstairs for a big-time tying goal against a good defensive Rangers team. The Leafs couldn't get to the front of the net the whole night, and he finally found a way to do it and put it home. So awesome game for Lilligren. It's been an awesome stretch here for him. I hope he keeps it going. It was good instincts. It was good shot. I yeah. really want to see him on the first power play unit. I think they need to shake up. I'm tired of the $7 so million dollar man having no goals. Can we go to and- a negative now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I sent out a power play tweet tonight, just like a little feeler about how like my fatalist take that I've been saying every night about how this is just a horrifying thing to me, how bad the power play looks. And listen, I know they're top 10, but they should be top five. They should be top three. It's, yeah. uh, it's no kidding, buddy. They yeah. are the team with the most loaded forward they, group they have 40, in they the have NHL. $40 million yeah. on their top power play unit. I just, and I just said that it's going to kill them in the first round of the playoffs again, like it did in the past multiple years and boy touchy subject for leash nation because people were agreeing very much with me and to me mm. you got to press here i know we've been talking about riding hot hands and riding stuff you got to try something and i'm glad you said lilligren because i think it's time maybe even at practice i don't know maybe i i don't know i know you have him in the second unit with sandine put him on the top unit see what happens you know who you're playing in the first round you know what the outcome of this season is. You're going to win a lot of games regardless of who's on that power play in the top unit. This is the experimenting time. You got to give something else a try because this is going to kill them again with Riley there. Buddy, I, I just don't. Okay. That, like I'm starting to get into conspiracy theory stuff with Morgan Riley staying with that unit right now where I'm like, are they trying to get him a, a cheap goal so that he doesn't end up being like, you better believe that I have in the drafts a tweet of is Morgan Riley going to be the first player to ever make 7 million or whatever the hell percentage against the cap to have no goals. Like, is that really going to be a thing that happens? Like I've already outlined for you and born how going back to 2020, he's one of the worst power play producers in mm-hmm. the NHL, despite his reputation of like, Mr. Power Play, and he's so good for the power play. You would think that because the skating and the vision, the skill set, whatever, it's just like it's not there. It hasn't worked mm-hmm. for a long ass time. And and I just feel like they're trying to keep him motivated. They're trying to keep his confidence high, is the only like actual practical reason for him that's to be there. 100% the only reason. There's okay, no but other- that's the thing. I'm starting to get into conspiracy land where I'm like, these guys are trying to justify giving him this deal because like there's that has no. That has to be part of it too. They're hoping to get him some kind of cookies so that he can end up with better numbers at the end of the year than what the hell he's going to have. But it's like, man, uh, Lilligren is just playing better than him, like night in, night out. And night in, night out, Morgan Riley is just not making an impact on these games in a positive fashion. 
and Lilligren is, and he's got a shot. He's got the offensive instinct that you're talking about, about finishing around the net. He can walk the line. He can snap a pass. He can move it up North. Like if you were willing to try five forwards, what, why won't you try another defenseman back there? Other than like Sandine, when he's hurt, I, I just like, you can tell I'm kind of flabbergasted by it. I'm a little flustered. I'm a little frustrated. Every, whatever. That's every night. Dude, it just, it's enough is enough with this, man. Like, we're just reaching a, a like, I don't want to hammer Morgan Riley every night. This is not a thing that I want to be doing on the show. But, like, for God's sakes, if he was making $4 million, like, this wouldn't even be, a, like, do you know how confusing it would be to all of us that he would still be doing this? Like, enough. enough. And I think, you know, you have to point to the reason that their power play looks so stagnant at times. And I know they had a couple chances tonight. Because he but, takes 10 minutes well, every time well, the puck not, lands not, on a stick. It's not, it's not even that. It's that the other team defensively just has no respect for the shot from him. None. They know they know he's going to turn the hips and give it to, to Nylander on the left side or turn the hip, open up the hips and go to the right side to Matthews for the shot. And how, like, when's the last time Matthews got a clean look from that spot on the power play? You know, you watch other power plays around the league with equal talent. You think of the caps with Ovi, you think of, uh, you look at uh, Edmonton, you think of these other teams that have really elite guys with elite power plays. How often do you watch the highlights and Ovi's blasted one from the top of the circle wide open? And a big reason is that of that is because they have Carlson at the top of it who can absolutely pepper it from the point. It's like, I know the analytics Great crowd, point. I know the analytics crowd hates the point shot. And I know there's like, listen, Kyle Dubas isn't straight up analytics. Yeah, but it's different on the but, power play, man. It's, I know, but it's not, it's even, on the power, play. even on the power play, it's not a very popular thing amongst the analytics sure, community. Whatever, me, me and Borny have t- chatted about this. You don't need to blast it from the point like you have Brian McCabe and, you know, Thomas Caberlet back there. You need to just have the possible threat of it. The idea, put the little one minute, like, thought in the defender's mind that you might wind up and blast one. And yeah. you never see Matthews with a wide open look unless it's like a broken play that lands on his stick in the slot where it's like, oh, he's got an open look. But off a of one time, how many goals off a of one timer has he scored this year? Buddy, it feels like it's you know been so little. How, like, think about how did the Leafs get their second goal tonight? How'd they get the game time goal? Yeah, front of the net. It's a point shot from yes. Nylander. And you know why he puts it towards the net? Because John Tavares, the tip that Tavares makes on that puck is elite John Tavares, of stuff, course. right? It's right sort of the, the forgotten piece of the play because, yeah, Lilligren has the nice finish that you're talking mm-hmm. about. But Tavares makes a nice tip. When does Tavares get that from Morgan Riley? Like, why yeah. doesn't Morgan – like, he should have the easiest job in the world. It's like, f- put a puck towards net, and one of the best guys within five feet of the net on planet Earth will try to find a way to tip it and tuck it into the net. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just – yeah, anyway, I can't even, <laughs> I can't even we, talk we should, about it anymore. We, we, should, we, we should move on because we're just going to sit yes. here going in circles hammering on the power play. I, so yeah. Anyway, it just it's got to change, and and like yeah, I feel so. This is strong. the time to try stuff. Yeah, we no. are in the absolute dog days where you're locked in against your opponent with a pillow on them to play them yeah. in your home ice. Like what and are they? You tried what? five forwards. I know you tried five forwards while he was back. I know. Like I know. what is preventing you from another experiment? Anyway, I yeah, just whatever. Anyway, um, another negative. I hate to use it because they won tonight. Uh. Like, I guess, you, like, they were the best line in hockey last year, one of them, but, mm. like, what was tonight from Matthews and Marner that is justifying these two staying together? Like, Tavares and Nylander were good. That's the best case for the Mitch Marner-Austin Matthews reunion all the they way just, through tonight. I, 
They turned it on late again. They had a couple of nice shifts, but just a very non-threatening night for two guys that are that caliber of players. And I just, yeah, it really felt like, like I, I, I have again in the notes, like sleepy shift, sleepy shift, mm-hmm. like, like multiple shifts tonight where the two of them were like not in it. And not, they weren't in the game until late. Yeah. I mean, that one video that I did a little McKee's breakdown there where I tweeted out mm-hmm. their six turnover shift between him bunting uh, Marner, Matthews, Hall. They all turned the puck over on that one shift that led to the Rangers' second goal by by Hedo there. Well, like, I, they try to be so cute with each other in the defensive zone. Those guys, like, I don't know, you've gone to Leafs games. I used to go to Leafs games in the press box all the time. And they would have this, like, little ritual at the end of every warm-up where they're going around the ice, the last two guys in the ice. I'm sure they still do it. I haven't been there this year. Um, but like they pass it to each other and they're doing behind the back passes and through the legs passes and they're scoring on the empty net right at the end. Even when it's dark and warm up, they do this. And like, I know this is a crazy parallel to draw, but like you have that in your mind, you're playing together. They obviously love playing together. They love wanting to set each other up constantly. And that shift where they gave it away a hundred times, these guys are trying these like three foot saucer passes through sticks in like, they're like trying to cycle it in the slot. It's like, just get like, you keep it simple, get the puck off the glass, get out. Like you have enough skill to win it back. Marner, you're one of the best, you know, defensive puck pursuit guys in the league. You can win pucks back. You don't have to make these tic-tac-toe little passes. I know it's a big part of their game. But you got to pick your spots with it. It just seems that they're too comfortable together. That they just want to try all this crazy assist? stuff. Roll, roll that goal, like the second Rangers goal, because like I think it's important for people who are watching on YouTube to see what Sam's talking about because it's like it's pretty aggressively bad. <laughs> like, and and it was funny because I so, actually saw you know, like, a lot of people. This posting. is this is late in it, but that's one of the little yeah. saucer passes that he tries to get to Matthews, and then yeah, you I guess to go further back, sis. Yeah, but I mean yeah. that's God, that was a terrible shift. So I, no. listen, it gives me bad flashbacks. I, these guys playing together, they're unbelievable two hockey players, but when they play together, it feels like the two best guys playing on a beer league team that are only trying to pass to each other and only trying to like make the best plays possible and like look as cool as possible when they're playing together. I know that's stupid, but like, I don't know how else to explain it. It's just, I don't like the way that they play together when it's not, when they're not like producing highlight real goals. The non-pretty stuff is really not pretty for these two guys. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, I, I, I think it's in a, Keith's in a kind of a weird position now with it, though, because like he can't abandon it after two no, games. No, of right? course not. He's he got like, no. Yeah. He's got to ride it now. He's got to yeah. ride it now. And they won the game. Marner scores a beautiful overtime winner. I know that has nothing to do with them playing together, but he wants mm-hmm. to keep. He wants to keep him feeling good. He wants to play him with his with with uh, Matthews, who they love playing together. I just. I like it the other way so much better. I think yeah. there is so much like it took tonight for me to realize it's like they are so much more balanced the other way. It just looks the way only, better to me. The only thing that's kind of funny about it is how good Tavares and Nylander have looked together these yes. last two games. Yeah, because they're both playing. <laughs> just, they're both they're both at the absolute tippy top of their game. Those two guys right now. They're both being yeah. unbelievable. They've just dominated these last two games. Like mm-hmm. the people of New York are like, that's the line. Yeah, I know. That's the scary line. Everybody in the New York area <laughs> yeah, through is the like, five boroughs are like, oh my yeah, god. Yeah, those guys left an impression against New York. Like that's if you're a hockey fan in that region, that's what you're thinking yeah. of now. All right, back to the positives. Samsonov good again. 
Um, I think Jamal Mayer's nailed it. That that first goal, that's just a cute trick play that kind of beats him. Um, but it's on David Camp. I thought that Mayer's did a great breakdown in the first period, just saying like, hey, he's got to be aware of the stick placement and he's got to be communicating it to the goaltender. And he didn't do either of those things. And the first go- the first puck goes in on him. I texted you. I was a little nervous because I think this is always going to be the case with Samsonov. Okay. Like, I just don't think this is going to change. We're always going to worry about confidence with him because we're seeing how great he is when he's confident and how awesome he's been lately. And there's a little bit of like, you're always waiting for the domino to, or whatever the dam to break. And that is keep going. Dude, that, that first save was just phenomenal. Again, he's making 10 bellers every single night, but the first goal he let in, I don't think was really his fault. And the second one, obviously, like, what are you going to do? Again, no another chance. night where he doesn't let in any bad goals. He makes a bunch of big saves. He's solid throughout the entire evening. And, yeah, I just, like, I don't even think there's pressure on I said to you I thought there was going to be pressure on Matt Murray on Friday night to perform well. And now I'm kind of like, I don't even think there is because you're just a backup, matter. bro. Yeah. yeah. It doesn't matter. You can put a like, shot out. They're, you're going, they're going back to him in Washington. Absolutely. Yeah. Like, like no question. A, yeah, it's an off night for Sammy on Friday for the starting goaltender. They'll give, they'll give Matt Murray the night, the net against his former team. And then they go into Washington against Samson, former team. If he does decently well, you go, you in the last game of the, before the break against Boston on the Wednesday night, hundred percent Samson off again. Like, he, yeah, dude. I, so I, we had, uh, Valaket on the show today and I texted yeah, you this stat. Nice. Yeah. He's the man. Did, did you read that stat? I texted you about Murray. Yeah. I wanted to save it for today. For what do you mean for today? I wanted you to talk about it. I wanted you to bring it okay. up on the show. Okay. Because to me, you know, Murray has been so much more clutch. I mean, sorry, Samson has been so much more clutch in terms of big saves that he's made to me. And that's just like been an eye test thing. And I never really knew how to quantify that. And Valaket came on our show today. Steve Valaket, uh, MSG, former NHL goaltender, one of the best guests in, in sports radio said that Matt Murray has the fourth worst save percentage in the NHL when the game is tied. It's like that to me is one of the most damning stats any goaltender could have. And then Blake Murphy sent me a message with a bunch of stats that he's dug up about the goaltending. And you know what Samsonov save percentage is while the, while the game's tied? 938. Yeah. It's like that plays, that shows. And that is the number one thing when it comes to coaches, faith, teammates, faith, all of that stuff, because how many times these guys are battling, they're in a tight game with a good team and someone, they come down and Murray does one of his flamingos and it goes in and they go ahead and you're like, we've been out here battling and you let that in and the coach hates them and the players hate you and they're all talking behind your back. Like it's a very horrible thing when a goalie lets in a bad goal and the game is tied. It's one of the worst things in yeah. hockey, and Murray is with the fourth worst guy in the league at it. It's a damning stat. I think it's a tough stat. I will defend Murray a little bit here and say I I do think that in the era of like trying to decide who is best, it's a natural thing to try to look at things guys are doing poorly. I do think Matt Murray's had like an incredible season. He's gonna be one of the comeback player of the year nominees. Like he's been so, he's been so much better than so many people thought Matt Murray was going to be. I Absolutely. don't think he's been a problem for this team. It's just Samsonov is playing out of his mind and stealing job from him. I would question like what the sample is of how many times that's happened, especially considering the amount of games the Leafs have won and um, 
yeah, just the amount of times they've been tied and what, like whatever. I, I'd want to see what the actual sample is of Murray versus some of the other guys that fit yeah. that category. Um, but yeah, I just, like I said, I, I've, I think Matt Murray is a solid option and a good, uh, like a, maybe a high end backup, but mm-hmm. I, I was never convinced that he was going to end up being the guy. And I think that whenever you're doing the whole, like the pedigree, the pedigree, the pedigree thing, like in terms of this guy's won, this guy's won, like, yeah, man, he won in 2016. Mm-hmm. Like that's a long the time blue Jays, now. the blue Jays, that was the end of Edwin and Bautista. <laughs> like that feels like a million years. Like I, I'm just saying like the Raptors were in early, like, we're not over the DeMar DeRozan Kyle Lowry era at this point in time. Like uh, it's just, it's, it's notable to me. Like, you know, the sharks were in the Stanley cup final with jumbo Joe that year. That's who he beat in 2016. Like it's a long time ago, buddy. I just, I'm not really into that angle of it. Do I think that he's mentally tough enough for it? For sure. But I think that the body isn't quite there. I don't think that it's fast enough. I think the hands are still an issue and, that Samsonov is just the higher, the higher ceiling guy. Murray's fine. He's just not as high of a ceiling as Samsonov when he's on his game. Quick, sorry, one last can thought we dr- on this. Can we, can we dream for a second? About? What if Samsonov is just this guy? Well, that's what I, I tweeted today was, I know. please let this be real. Like, what if it's just this, he's this guy? Well, like some, I, like not this guy, but some, you know. Yeah, uh, version like, of this. Version of this. Yeah, no, it, buddy, if he's this, then the Leafs are, like, they're already cup contenders-ish. But I do think that reasonable Leaf fans can watch what Boston is doing. Right, Like, if you watch more than just the Leafs, and you're paying just even, like, a little bit of attention to what Boston is doing, it's like, it's it's really hard for me to see the Leafs beating them in a seven-game series. Like, it just, it's really hard for me to understand... Like I know hockey's random, and can I be know, honest? The best teams a, don't always win. Have a hard time seeing them beat any, lose to anyone. The Bruins, like I think, yeah. You know, but it's I like also they've just, lost five games in regulation this year, buddy. It's not like at least yeah, the only team that would lose to them. I, I also just think like the Leafs are good, but the league is watered down again, and there's a lot of bad teams, and it kind of has a little bit of North Division feel to me, where mm-hmm. they could show up in the playoffs and kind of get walked and have another experience that we've had in the past, and go, oh right. We keep forgetting that playoff hockey is different than regular season hockey. Like there's just some, there's some warning signs with this Leafs team for me, right? Like I, I can both be high on them and like the way they've played and seen some progress with the defensive play from the forwards, more consistency from guys like Nylander. But ultimately like, yeah, this is the same group that has lost every single time they've had a chance to win the playoffs. So forgive me for having my reservations. And for those of you that like have a world of confidence, like I applaud you, but that's not me. Um, Samsonov changes that equation if he's this guy, because if he is this guy, then he's one of the, you know, five, six top goalies in the NHL. He's one of the guys that matters the most. He's already put together numbers that put him into the elite category, um, the top tier category. And yeah, if it continues, I I don't see any reason why not. But I was just going to say that to me, a, a, a sneaky, massive test that I wasn't even thinking about until you mentioned it is him going into his old barn and playing the caps. Because if you recall, yeah, he was super nervous. Well, yeah, the last time he had a, like, really shit game was when he played the Caps and he admitted that he was nervous against them. So it's like, can he check that out and can he stay riding hot and kind of roll through that? Because maybe if he can kind of clear that hurdle, well, you can believe what we're seeing is a little bit more real. Yeah, that was a, that was a bit of a wake-up call. Because he was playing well going into that game. And then he's like, I was really yep. nervous in that game. I was like, oh, boy. Remember that? I remember, having, him. 
I remember having a conversation being like, oh my God, I don't. Yeah, like, you were I like, was so look scary. at his first 10 games last year, put him under. Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah absolutely. Listen, yeah. I was Murray guy heading to this year. Like I'm just, I've been completely convinced it's, he has been really, really good. Like I am now in the mode of about to be let down badly if it flips because I am believing hard. Like I believe I have officially gone into full believe mode with with Samsonov. I don't know how that could go badly. Yeah. I really couldn't see yeah. that flipping at all. Say, I, just, <laughs> I I just I can Curb feel music that starts. No, that's some that's gonna end up on some Tampa Bay Lightning blog that's in fun. uh well, if they had any fans or anybody that wrote about the team, there's yeah. just like one guy. <laughs> uh that's that's it they got one guy that's that's what tampa's got um anything else i'm ready to wrap up yeah all good brother that was fun okay yeah that was a good one um again uh, oh i want to plug something i have jason blake on tomorrow who i already finished the interview um we talked about his signing in toronto and sort of looking back and some of the regret the regrets he had mm-hmm. um but to me one of the most underrated stories in the history of the game is that Jason Blake got diagnosed with cancer and was taking cancer meds and did not miss a game. Mm-hmm. And like people shredded that contract because like that was an ugly time for the Leafs, right? It was the end of Matt Sundin. He came in. That was the last year Matt's was a Leaf. He and him came in. He got the contract. They didn't really work out. And it was just like we had the ugliness of the Matt Sundin won't move his trade clause. Blake was underperforming based on the contract. He got like a lot of things about the Maple Leafs are falling apart, but like he kind of describes what he was going through and he won't make excuses. I'm, I'm basically the one in the interview that has to continuously be like, yeah, I think that's pretty understandable. But like some <laughs> of the details of what he was going through pretty eye opening, especially for me, who was like a fan who was in Leafs blogs being like, I hate this guy, <laughs> you know, like, uh, yeah. So I implore people to tune in. I'm really looking, I'm yeah. really looking forward to listening to that. I, I, one of my favorite Leafs takes that I've always had, and I think we've had this one together and joked about it uh, over many beers is that there's a hundred different ways the Jason Blake story goes in Toronto. If one of those 1000 shots he had in the first 10 games goes in, he was the most snake bit man on planet earth for the fir- full first month of the season, and he just never got on track. Remember, he was like tied with shots with Ovi with zero yeah, goals. Dude, I, I actually remember like I was in a fantasy league in <laughs> with that shots year where where shots counted. Oh, and he's the best player in the league. No, he legitimately was like a top tier guy <laughs> because and and we had to change our rules in that league the next year to diminish the value of shots yeah, dude, because guy like, was firing it from everywhere. Nothing yeah, would no, go for, for real. Like he was one of the top guys in the league from like a balancing point and, standpoint, the way that it was calculated. That, he scored that sick, uh, spinorama shootout goal too. So yeah, yeah, it was an exciting time. Uh, plug for our show tomorrow. We got Barry Trotz coming on tomorrow. So, uh, old Trotzy, old Trotzy's media tour, uh, continues and he's coming on with real Kipper and born. So I'm excited to see where that one goes. Yeah. I'm excited to hear the, answer to the question of did you think you were going to be the Leafs head coach yes like do you think like did you mean to start that s storm and I know Kipper will ask him so looking forward to it I can't wait um subscribe to this podcast leave five stars subscribe to real Kipper and Bourne subscribe to the JD Bunkus podcast that's where you can catch the Jason Blake interview tomorrow um leave a little thumbs up in the eye in the the chat Mm -hmm. as our boy who I love warrior womp always telling people to do oh by the way um 
somebody tweeted at me and I forgot to reply because I got scatterbrained Jane, but we're going to start taking some of the questions and some of the stuff in the chat. Mm-hmm. We're going to wait till the all-star break so that we can kind of hash things out. Cause we got a little break coming up here, uh, obviously. And then they're going to come back against Columbus, but yeah, we want to start hearing from people who love the show and you know, some of the questions you have and yeah. Um, hopefully we'll do a three man show. You born and I on Wednesday for that Bruins game. So that one won't have enough space, I think, for fan stuff. But moving forward here, like, yeah, I want to get a little bit more engaged in the chat. Our boy, David Sis. We're really going to find out if Sis has the chops because, like. Throwing them into the fire, kid. Yeah, because Sis, like, you know, he has his good days and his bad days. And now we're throwing an extra thing on his plate. Hey. I went to Own Sound for Hockey Day in Canada, and now my close personal friend, Dale DeGray, general manager of the Own Sound Attack, me and him had a long conversation, and he was absolutely raving about David Sis. So in my books, David Sis can do no wrong. Uh, David Sis, if my good personal friend Dale says that Sis— Is it a different David Sis? Are you sure that it was (laughs) the same guy that we know? Because that—I don't know about that. Anyways, yeah, Sis— the old thumbs up for the uh, fellas. Anyway, uh, this is Leafs Talk. Again, follow at JD Bunkus, Twitter and Instagram, at Sam A. McKee, Twitter and Instagram. Subscribe, review, please leave five stars. Please leave a note on iTunes if that's where you listen. It really does help us. Same with the thumbs up. Thanks. With, also, there's thousands of people who watch this. Like, we already know. We have the numbers. We also know that it's even more of you that download the podcast. So when the tweets come out, knock that RT. Knock that like. When the podcasts come out, Bang that five stars. Leave that review. Thousands of you just getting this free content will take the two seconds to hit some buttons. Okay? That's mm-hmm. do it. Press a button. It's like Chevy Good Deeds Cup is coming up for sports. Set. Do a good deed. Yeah. All right? Yeah. Do a nice give thing. Give me in That's on that. It. I want to do some good deeds. Come on. Give me in yeah, on that, Sportsnet. Get... Where am I at? Yeah. Or I'm sure your beer league <laughs> team would really do well in the Good Deeds Cup. <laughs> yeah. We're the bad no. deeds. No. <laughs> so funny. Anyway, uh, we're signing off for J.D. Bunker, Sam McKee. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. We'll catch you later in the week.